Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, bringing you one of our special Voices episodes where we interview someone we think you'll love to hear from and to learn from. So it's that time of year, and this is a special love and romance episode. First up, I'm interviewing Cassandra Henriquez, also known as Coach Cass. Coach Cass is a love coach for professional women, and we talk dating and romance as a single mom, everything from using apps to how to handle breakups and all the things in between. It's a really fun discussion. And then I've got a special treat. Sarah and I will chat about how she's handled making time for her marriage through the trenches of parenting three kids. So Sarah's been married almost 15 years to her husband, Brian, and she has been through all the stages from little babies to a house full of young kids to now where they're getting a little bit older and more independent. So we also had a really fun discussion, kind of demystifying dating your spouse and talking about the challenges and opportunities at each stage. Okay, here's my interview with Coach Cass, and don't forget to stick around to hear Sarah and I later in the show. Welcome, Coach Cass. I'm so glad you're here. I am so excited to be here, Megan. Hey to all the moms out there. (laughs) Okay, so when this drops, you will be running a summit in Florida, and it'll be over by the time this episode airs, but I know you have others coming up, and we would love to hear about them. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, the next summit after that will be in May. Um, And literally, I created this two-day experience because I work mainly with really busy women. And, you know, if you need something done, you give it to a busy woman. So being able to carve out two days makes a huge difference to, you know, get ahead faster, right? So being able to get together in person to delve into what I call my real love game plan, right? So the R is for the reality check. Like, what got you to where you are today? The E is exploring possibilities. Like, what are you not seeing? What are some of those blind spots? The A is acknowledging your responsibility because, you know, the decisions you made up to this point have you where you are. And the L is launching forward, really creating a game plan around, well, what am I really going to do to put love as a priority and love on top? So it's two days. It's an intimate event, less than 30 women, um, really to to get real with yourself, a roll around self-love and in a really safe space with no judgment. I love it. (laughs) So some of my listeners already know this, but I've been divorced about three years. And for myself, I came into this period of singleness with all this optimism. And then I hit a wall and thought, oh, is this even worth it? Like, is it easier just to dive in on my kids and my work and like (laughs) a cat? (laughs) I mean, I know it is worth it. But for moms, it can sometimes be really hard to meet single people because sometimes we're only surrounded by married people or our social circles are smaller. So when you talk to people in their 30s and 40s and 50s and suddenly now they're single, what challenges are they running into? So exactly what you're talking about. It's it's literally like burnout. You know, when you work too hard and you're going too hard in the paint, you're like, oh, just forget it all. I just want to lay on the couch and watch Netflix, you know? And so you've been catfished maybe, or maybe you met a jerk or maybe somebody stood you up or maybe somebody didn't call you back. You got ghosted. So it 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 does get tough if you let it. Right. And I want you all to listen and carefully. It's a mindset thing. 
It really is. Because for for you, Megan, right? If a guest doesn't show up for your podcast, do you say, forget it all. I'm going to shut down this podcast. I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, like, no, (laughs) you just get a new podcast guest. You don't shut down your business if one client or one person doesn't work out. But for some reason, when it comes to matters of the heart, we give up a lot easier because it's like, man, this hurts. So my invitation usually for women is to think of it as who can I kick it with? Who can I have fun with? Who can I connect with? You know, and that's it versus thinking, is this person good for my kids? Is this person going to be a great dad-in-law, great stepdad? Is this guy going to be a great outstanding person in society? Can I bring him on the podcast and he know what to talk about? You know, so when we think all those things before going on a date, it makes it too heavy. It makes it way too much. And when we put too much weight to it, that's when it becomes exhausting. So in order to make it more light, number one, One is to create that mindset of, okay, who can I have fun with? And just leaving it there for the first step. I love this. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to get back to this because I know that heaviness you're talking about and it is a problem. We'll take that break and be right back. All right. All right. Fun announcement, everyone. We are so excited to launch the Mom Hour Podcast Club. Yay! I'm so excited. Thank you for your patience, everyone. Those of you who have been waiting for this, we've heard from so many of you that you love sharing the Mom Hour with your friends. And we've heard from others that listening to the Mom Hour feels like a conversation with friends you wish you had in real life. So with the Podcast Club, we kind of wanted to help you take that sense of community out into the real world. It'll work a little bit like a book club where you'll listen to the same episodes as some of your friends or other moms in your community, and then you'll plan a time to get together and discuss the themes in the episode. Like kind of like a low-key mom's night in, and we're going to help you plan it all so you look like the most amazing host. Yeah. So when you purchase the club kit, you'll get a download that includes everything you'll need to connect with other moms who might be interested. It'll show you how to send invitations, prepare for the club, and host your group. And then we'll give you discussion questions, a special message the group can listen to just from us, and then some fun little tips for making the evening special. The Mom Hour Podcast Club Download Kit is available now at themomhour.com slash club. We can't wait to hear about your real-life gathering, so keep us posted. Again, to find out more about the Podcast Club and download your kit, head to themomhour.com slash club. Okay, so who out there listening has the Jane app on their phone? And are any of you actually browsing right now? Right this second. (laughs) You're listening to us. Like I am while I'm recording. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I have to admit it is one of my little pleasures shopping Jane.com or the Jane app. So if you're not familiar, it's a daily deals marketplace that brings together clothing, kids stuff, home decor and accessories at ridiculously good prices. And many of the sellers on there are actually mom owned small businesses, which, of course, we love. I feel like Jane is keeping me young. The clothes and accessories are on trend and really affordable, so I can experiment a little with something without breaking the bank. In fact, I just picked up a couple pairs of jeggings on there in multiple colors, and I love that they're really comfy and they look kind of high-end, but they were cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. I also love that the deals come back again and again, so I can click that little heart on a shirt that I love, and then I'll get an email when it's on sale again so I can buy it in two more colors, which I have totally done. If you are into stuff like monograms and personalizations or graphic tees with cute sayings, this is going to be your new heaven. We are part of Jane's affiliate program, which means if you shop through our link, you'll be helping support the podcast at no additional cost to you. And we only joined that program after we were both fully converted Jane customers. So we truly love it. Head to themomhour.com slash Jane to start shopping on your phone or your browser. Again, it's themomhour.com slash Jane. Okay, so Coach Cass, you mentioned something about the exhaustion. And I want to say that it can come from both sides. Like, it can really go both ways, right? 
I was talking with a friend the other day and I made the joke that by date three or so, I either want to like start picking out China or picking the person apart. It is so hard not to think about the long term and then you get so far ahead of yourself. So my question is, is this a common thing for women my age? Is it a mom thing? Like, where is this coming from? A hundred percent. Okay. So yes, you are not, you are not alone, right? You are not alone, Megan, right? So it, it's, it's normal for us. What I, I really believe is that many women suffer from rom-com-itis, right? So you watch these romantic comedies and you see the guy sweep the girl off her feet. And then she's like, yes, this is it. And you know, you have that hope and that want and desire. But then a part of you is like, okay, well, I don't want to mess this up again. So if he does anything to remind you of his ex or any weird thing, you're ready to kick him to the curb because you don't want to waste your time because you're also a busy professional woman. So where does this come from is expectations and having unrealistic versus realistic expectations of where you're going and what you're doing. For instance, sometimes when a woman will go on a nice date, she might say, you know, this is it. I really want to see where this goes. And it's like, it was just some chicken and rice. You know, it wasn't any, it was like a glass of wine. You know, this guy more than likely is dating someone else, right? When you put that in your mind that whoever you meet is probably dating someone else, number one, you're not so in a rush to exclusivity. Number two, as a woman of a mature age, you don't have time to waste solo with a man for six to one, six months to one year to then figure it out. So I am of the belief that you date multiple people until they are vying for your attention and then you choose, right? So I believe every woman is a wanted woman, right? So women achieving new triumphs every day, but now it's for you to see who you want, right? Because then that's also a part of it. You don't want to be that damsel in distress, but we play it all the time. We watch the romantic comedies. It's like, oh, well, come save me. But girl, you don't have to be saved. You're already a whole person, already amazing. So now it's really for you to say, well, is this someone who's in line with my beliefs, with my vision, with what I want for my life? Is this someone that I truly mesh with? Do I know their last name? The simple things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last name is a good place to start. Okay, so I think you're so right that women often put themselves in the passenger seat Mm. and wait to be chosen. Yes. So this idea of choosing and not only how and why you choose, can you talk about when you look at someone and say, is this just chemistry? Am I just like checking things off a list? How do I know there's real potential? It can be so overwhelming. So usually where I do start is um, your emotions, right? If you just simply close your eyes right now and you start to think of how you want to feel in an amazing relationship, if you're in the right relationship, like what are the emotions that you feel? Like what comes up just me saying that, Megan? Like what what comes up for you? Hmm, I think I would say excitement and fun. Mm, like those things are really important. Yes. To me. Right. So excitement and fun. That's what first came up for you. So for all those listening as well, you know, usually what you first think is really your gut feeling versus what your when your head starts to get into play and it's like, well, I need him to be financially responsible and blah, 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 blah. Before we go off into that river down, down to the riverbed, right? We, we really want to think of the emotion. So then now when you go on a date and you come back home and you just think about, well, how was that date? You could say to yourself, well, did I feel 
that excitement? Did I feel that fun? If laughter is important, did I laugh? Did I have humor? You know, did I feel awkward? You know, and just think of it like that versus what did he wear? What does he do for a living? Does he pick his teeth? You know, (laughs) that kind of stuff. I really want to resonate in the emotions first. So that's usually where I tell women to start. Um, It's more of your emotions than a checklist of um, verifications and background checks. So I'll tell you the story. So once upon a time, I was dating this guy and I was cooking him dinner and um, he entered my kitchen just to say, hey, babe, is everything okay?" I'm like, yeah. And I look at him and I look at my vision board, which was on the wall in the kitchen. And I look back at him and I look at the vision board and then I start crying. I start crying, Megan. And the reason I was crying and he held me with a warm embrace. He's like, are you okay?" I just I just looked up at him and I said, you're him. He's like, I'm who? I'm like, you're him. And I show him the vision board and literally everything that we had experienced and everything that this vision board had represented was the man that was standing in front of me. So I believe very strongly in having a love vision board. And so often we focus on our business and having the vision for our business and you know all the metrics that we want to have, but really taking the time to say, well, First, what is the emotion that I want to feel in the right relationship? Then what type of experiences do I want to have, you know? And then how will I be in this amazing relationship, you know? And being able to put pictures together that represent those things helps you to create your true love vision. And for me, that's just so beautiful, so beautiful. And that's where the pictures and things come from. So it's not just flipping through a magazine and say, oh, well, I want this chest and these legs and (laughs) that smile. You know, it's more of the emotional standpoint. I actually have a free love challenge that I'm going to do on Facebook at the end of the month. So um, yeah, I I invite everyone to to join us. Okay. I'm Mm -hmm. so glad your story ended the way it did because it really could have gone so many other ways. Like, oh, hey, you're a nice guy, but you're not him. You got to go. But that's also a good thing. I literally had a client text me, hey, you know, it didn't work out with the guy, but my mindset is renewed and I feel good. And I was just so proud of her because now with clarity, you make decisions clearly versus all mucky and crying yourself to sleep. And it's like, no, thank you, God, or thank you, universe, for releasing this person from my life because they're not it. And that's okay. I'm not dead. That's okay. (laughs) I didn't die. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. I was recently talking to a group of moms I know who are single after marriage or long relationships, and I thought it was really interesting how differently we've all experienced dating. And one thing we've realized is that a lot of us are just afraid of breakups. Sometimes I think that's because the one that's the most recent in our heads is like a divorce or some other big breakup that literally changed your entire life. Um, Sometimes after being married or partnered a long time, you just haven't had a lot of experience with healthy breakups that maybe aren't so nuclear. And I have almost think it's something you have to like practice and learn how to get good at. Do you have advice for women who want to get out of a relationship or are afraid they won't know how to do it? So um, the biggest part is to let yourself know it's okay, right? And if this relationship isn't serving you, do yourself a favor and that other person a favor not to drag it out. Because when you look back on your, you know, your ended marriage, I'm pretty sure 
it was a year or years where you were unhappy or not in a great situation before you really said, okay, well, this is it, right? So with this, remember, you're not married to him, right? So step one, you're not married. <laughs> so you're in a better place, right? And then step two is you're, you're doing both of you a service to not stay in a relationship you don't want to be in. It's really simple. Okay, and this is something you've gone through, but you're married now. So how long have you been married? Five years to my, my lovely honey. We met in 2004. We were wonderful friends and uh, I guess re-met or kindled back in like 2011. And uh, yeah, now we've been married for five years. So it's been a beautiful journey. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this friendship aspect, okay? I think that's something that is so much easier to come by in like college when, or when we're in our first jobs. We're surrounded mm-hmm. by single people with time on their hands. But as we get older, our social circles start to kind of shrink. Um, and we know more and right. more coupled people and fewer single people. And we just don't have mm-hmm. the time to hang out anymore. So it can start to feel like, where is the opportunity even going to happen to become friends mm-hmm. with someone but it yeah, is so important, it is. right? It is. So it has to be with intention, right, Megan? So if you didn't have any clients, do you just sit back and say, well, my social circles have no clients for me. So, oh, well, no business. I'm just done. I don't have bills to pay. You know, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure you don't do that. So that's the same thing here. If your social circles don't have the viable options, you have to start seeking them. So whether it be online or in person, you got to do something, right? So in in terms of in person, what groups have the types of people you want to hang out with, but are co-ed, right? Versus just joining another um, mom's group, right? So you want to be able to make sure that you're also joining the co-ed group. The mom's group is important, but also we need a co-ed group, a part of this circle and not just, you know, the soccer dads. So I really want you to make sure that you're looking at what your interests are, what you like, and then joining maybe a meetup or going to a networking event and keeping your eyes open. Now, I am an advocate for online dating and um, it's different strokes for different folks, but strokes at home, just (laughs) swiping while you're doing Netflix is way simpler than putting on a dress and lipstick and going out to an event, especially if you're a mom, especially if you're a single mom. So I, I am for online dating. And I understand that sometimes what you see (laughs) is not the most appealing, right? But um, there's like a thousand online dating apps now and (laughs) and shoot, I'm working on one, right? So it's so important to to be able to, to try them out. So if one's not working, try another one. It's literally like split testing, for your business, a split testing for your website, split testing for your dating profile. If this is not getting you what you want, switch it up, you know? And when you keep that in mind, it makes it way simpler. Okay, this is so great. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we get back, I wanna dive in on those apps. I've talked about dating apps on the show before, and I think they can be a great tool. There can also be some obstacles and misconceptions, (laughs) but we will get to that in just a minute. Sarah, you live right by Disneyland, right? I do. Oh, you're so lucky. So does that mean you guys go like a lot? I've always wondered that about families who live close to those big theme parks. You know, we really don't. And mostly because it's really expensive, even if you don't have to travel to get there. I think of myself as a pretty savvy theme park person, but I cannot believe that our sponsor, Undercover Tourist, was not on my radar until recently. Like, how do moms not know about this? Yeah, this is really a secret that needs to get out. Undercover Tourist is an authorized seller of theme park tickets at big discounts, and there's no catch. 
You need to know about this if you're thinking about a theme park family vacation sometime soon. Yes, you do. Okay, get this. I could get the exact same tickets for Disneyland as I would by standing in line at the park for up to $120 less per ticket on Undercover Tourist with no catch, like you said. Same exact tickets. You can save up to $150 per ticket at Universal Orlando, and the list goes on. They have tickets to all the major theme parks, plus a bunch of other great destinations. And they're known for great customer service. They actually have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. I was just looking at this, Sarah, and they've also got great planning tools on their site, all for free, by the way, where you can see peak crowd times, download park plans that can help you figure out where to go to avoid the lines, and you can even save extra if you bundle things like rental cars or hotel in with your tickets. Undercover Tourist is the trusted name for theme park tickets. Start planning your next theme park vacation now by visiting undercovertourist.com slash themomhour. There's an additional discount using our special link on top of the big savings already offered through Undercover Tourist. Again, for those additional discounts on top of fantastic savings on theme park tickets, head to undercovertourist.com slash themomhour. Well, in case you haven't heard, our family of podcasts is growing. This is Sarah, and I'm here with my 11-year-old daughter, Allegra, who is my co-host over at our new show, Kid Literate. Hey, Allegra. Hey, Mom. So can we tell your listeners about our new show? Yeah, go for it. You tell them. Sure. On Kid Literate, we talk about the books, shows, podcasts, and music that our family enjoys together, plus how we discover great media for kids and how we consume it. We have episodes about audiobooks for road trips, TV shows to watch as a family, and tablet apps that encourage creative play. And in every episode, we share what we're reading, me and my mom, and what you're reading based on the emails we get from listeners. Yes, we're getting such great feedback from our growing listener community, and it's so fun to share book recommendations. That's one of my favorite things to do. New episodes of Kid Literate drop every other Monday, and you can find the show wherever you listen to The Mom Hour. You can also check out our website at kidliteratepodcast.com. Okay, Coach Cass, so you touched on online dating in the apps, and I want to dive in more. So just for our listeners, I'm going to give a quick breakdown because I used to be completely clueless about how these work. So most of the apps I've used, whether Tinder or Bumble or Hinge, etc., you are like presented with a photo and a profile of someone. And depending on the app, you can either try to match with them or start a conversation or maybe like their profile or a photo. I have gone on a lot of dates via apps. Um, and while I haven't had a ton of luck finding long-term relationships that way, I think the apps have actually been really useful as a way to sort of practice dating and expand my social circles. One of the things I said when I got divorced was I really want my life to become more expansive and to know more people and to widen my social network. And dating apps have really been a key part of that for me. But what I think can be tricky is getting enough information out of someone to know whether it's even worth going on the date. So Coach Cass, do you have any advice around how to find out what you need um, from someone when you're looking at like, I don't know, a picture and maybe five words? <laughs> It, it it's tough, right? So literally, and, and most of the time people are just like, hey, <laughs> you're like, okay, hey back. You're going to say something more. So the thing to keep in mind is more than likely he's just as busy as you are, right? And he feels the same way about the app. So yeah, he gets on it and he may or may not see you because sometimes we kind of feel rejected, right? So if we reach out and we send a message and they don't message back right away or it's been a while, it's like, oh man, what happened? But you know, anything can happen. Anything, anything can happen when it comes to online dating. So one, remember that there's 
500 other people that are also messaging him or you or whoever. And so if you want to keep top of mind, um, literally send a message and send a message that's not an essay, right? So one thing we do sometimes as women, he'll say, how was your day? And then you write a paragraph <laughs> or maybe a whole book, right? So let's not be so eager, right? So that's my my rule side of being a coach, right? So in terms of your response, let them be very simple, but then also let him know, hey, I'm hardly on here. So if you would like to connect, here's my number. And some of you might be like, oh my gosh, you want me to give his my number? You could get a Google voice number, right? So that it's untraceable, essentially. Essentially, we can all be found very easily, okay, guys? So when we when we keep that in mind, it's not that serious. So send the number and then put the ball in his court. If he doesn't call, okay, we're not caught up because we're still swiping, we're still messaging. Now, when he does call, number one, take a uh, actual screenshot of his his profile so you remember who you're talking to, right? Because it's so many people. Oh my gosh, people. this is such solid advice. <laughs> so many people. And <laughs> so then now when you get on the phone together, you can have some simple conversation. If you like the banter, like you like this banter listening right now, right? If you like the banter, say, I'd love to meet in person, right? And and that's, yes, being forward. But listen, we are not trying to have pen pals or new buddies for the phone or just hang out on the phone for the next three weeks. Your main focus is to get off the app, get off the phone and get in person. Now, when you get in person, it doesn't have to be a dinner date. It could be a coffee date. It could be a walk in the park. It could be a dog walk. It could be anything simple, Right. So you don't have to be there long. And you could also say, hey, I have a meeting right after at this time to make sure that you have a hard stop. Now, if you're having a really good time, you could say you moved your meeting. Right. So very, very simple. So that's pretty much the way to get off the app, get in person. And when you're in person, just pay attention to each other. Number one, put your phone down, put your phone away. Right. And be able to actually connect with each other. And then see, you know, when you go home, how do you feel? How do you feel? And if you're just based on chemistry, I'm going to I'm going to challenge you because for majority of those who are listening, right, if you've been divorced, you know, chemistry fades, right? If he scratches his butt long enough or leaves his underwear by the door, (laughs) the smelly socks in your (laughs) drawer, whatever, you know, stuff doesn't get as sexy anymore. So we cannot base our next relationship just on sexy unless you're looking for a one-time fling thing. But for more than likely for those who are listening, I know you want a lifetime relationship, right? And if you want to build a lifetime relationship, we truly do start with the emotion, the connection, and the quality of the conversation. Okay, so I like that you're starting with the emotion because I feel like women are often told we have to be more logical and less emotional and we have to have like a list of all the things that we have to find in a partner. And especially after we have kids, we might not feel like we even have the luxury of having our own emotional needs met anymore. And like everything has to be super practical, but it really does come down to feelings. And speaking of kids, let's talk about that. So sometimes I think moms who are on dating apps um, have or even just meeting people out in the wild, right? There is some confusion about how to disclose and when to disclose that you have kids or the number of kids or any complicated situations you might have with your ex. And I know sometimes those things can really weigh on a dating mom's mind. Mm. So I wonder if you have any advice around that. Well, I specifically know someone that had five kids and she was on a dating app and she put that she had five kids. 
And a guy reached out to her and he said he wanted to go on a date. And she was like, did you read that I have five kids? <laughs> and, and he's like, yes. Um, and they went on a date and they're currently married and they have a sixth kid. Hello. And he's a stay at home dad now. He's a stay at home dad. And she's the worker bee. She's the one bringing him the money. And she just didn't think it was possible to find someone to love her with her five kids. And he is an amazing man that loves every single one of her children and loves her. I, I have a client that um, she was divorced and widowed, right? And then she had a, a marriage that fell apart and literally the FBI got involved. That's how shady it was, right? And so when it comes to trust, girl, she wasn't trusting anybody. And then she has two two girls. And so she was just like, I don't know about this coach cast, right? And so being able to walk her through that process Number one, yes, you share that you've been married before. Yes, you share that you have children. It's it's a part of the package, right? And then as time evolves, you could share some of the intricacies of what has happened, but we do not lead with, oh, well, you know, my husband left me for this floozy who's two years old, you know, like <laughs> we don't, that's not where we start, right? So, oh, what happened to your last relationship? You know, it just wasn't the right fit, Right. Because this is a future relationship. This is not a past relationship you're building. So let's not build it in the past. Let's build it in the present and let's build it for the future, right? So focus on the present. How do you feel? How do you connect? What are you interested on? What do you both like? What are your common values, core values, vision, things like that? You know, focus on that versus, man, let me tell you what I've been through. Whew. This has been so great. Thank you so much, Coach Cass. I know you have some special offers for our listeners who are in this world of dating. So tell us about them. Um, so what I've got um, for all the listeners, I do have uh, for all my single ladies, uh, if you go to relationshipsforbusywomen.com, it's a free giveaway. It's a checklist of how to get to the next date. Because sometimes the first date really isn't the hardest. It's getting to the next date. So if you go to relationshipsforbusywomen.com, you'd be able, and that's what the S relationships for busy women. Um, you'll be able to get that for free. And then in terms of keeping in touch with me, I'm on Instagram at inspire many, M-A-N-Y, inspire many. And Facebook is ask coach cast. And yeah, you can pretty much find me anywhere on anything. And you have yeah. another summit coming up in May and that one is in Florida. Yes, I do. I do the success in love summit. Yes, yes. Successinlovesummit.com is the website for the summit. Okay. Well, I've loved your advice today, Coach Cass, and I hope all the single moms listening keep that idea of choosing in mind because it is just so important. So thank you again for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Megan. And I, I, I hope it has helped you and every person that chooses to listen in. Thank you for having me on the Mom Hour. Okay, everybody. So this is a special little treat. Um, Sarah is coming on this episode of Voices, which we don't usually do, but we definitely wanted to have the perspective of someone who's got several kids down the road and has been through several different stages of parenting many kids and is married, happily married, and has made yeah. it work, even though sometimes like dating doesn't always look perfect and getting away without the kids can be really hard. Um, we just want to give some I don't know, encouragement and and maybe some some place to look down the road. And I also want to mention that Sarah has influenza right now. Like 
the actual flu. Not when you just toss that word out there, but no, like, like, like influenza B? Is it B? A. a? I don't know the difference. I asked which really. one was worse, and she's like, it doesn't really it matter. It doesn't matter. They're both not good. <laughs> um, but you did get on the Tamiflu in time, it sounds like. So we're very, we're very confident in we're Sarah's. Hopeful. We're hopeful and confident in Sarah's speedy and rapid recovery because I really need her. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Sarah, you sound great, but like I have a feeling you may at some point erupt in a cough or something. So just want to let you know if Sarah does sound a little off or different. It's because I'm here anyway. She's Still me. sick. She's sick. And she's so awesome to be on the mic with us today. OK, Sarah. So we both know that a lot of marriage advice focuses on date nights and getting away together. But we also know that having young kids and budget constraints and maybe not having like reliable child care that you really trust to take your kids for the weekend or whatever, it can make that hard. Yeah. And I know you and I both went through phases in young motherhood, particularly when it just wasn't like as regular as the experts tend to say it should be. And I'm talking about things like making that concerted effort to get away for a weekend or even for a night every week. I mean, whatever it looks like. Um, Sometimes I think that advice can can sound really overwhelming and like impossible when you're in the thick of things. So I thought it would be really fun just to kind of go through a few different stages you've gone through as a mom. You've been married for 15 years. Yeah, it'll be um, 15 this summer. 15 this summer. And so just go through those stages and just be really honest about what it's actually looked like for you yeah. and how sometimes it probably looked a little dire, but maybe how you've been able to course correct and make little <laughs> changes along the way and and um, and how it continues to evolve. So yeah. let's start with like, the little baby stage. So either when you had just like one little baby or even especially when you had a little baby and a preschooler, it's not always easy to leave. So how did date nights and that like dating your spouse thing look to you for you then? Well, um, it was very difficult to leave. And I agree. I almost think it's the second baby that really puts you into this new category of like, is this even worth it? Right. Um, we had family who lived in the same town part of the year but who traveled a lot. So we had very inconsistent um, date night. And actually my parents have always had like a busier social life than, than we do even. So we didn't have built-in family. I had a really hard time finding a regular babysitter. Here's what I remember. It felt like starting over every single time. Yes. Somebody would say, oh, I've got a great neighbor friend or we've got a great babysitter from our church nursery. And I would get the referral or we'd meet someone. And it felt like the overwhelmed for me of explaining how they go to bed and where the loveys are and all of this. It just felt like I started over every time. I never locked into one sitter situation that made it feel worth it to head out for a random date night and certainly not for a weekend away. Um, I think what I do remember about those years is um, looking forward to things like weddings or um, a, a party, a big party, like a work holiday party. And I'd have to plan way ahead to figure out the sitter. We didn't really go on date nights that weren't already planned by someone else's celebration. So it was a lot of weddings. Um, we might take the younger baby with us to a wedding and like get a sitter in the hotel room for a few hours. Like we made it work, but we were not going on regular date nights in the traditional sense. I do remember a lot of dates, um, quote, you know, unquote, that involved a newborn. (laughs) And somehow it still can feel really special when you're doing something outside the norm or when you don't have the other kids with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, As did those big events felt special because, and and it's not that they came without stress because often the figuring out childcare, if you're now traveling or you've brought your kids with you somewhere, um, can be super stressful, but they were so few and far between that we were like, oh my gosh, we get to get dressed up. Like we get to go out. We have no kids with us. And it was like, 
look, ma, no kids. Like yeah. we were we were out <laughs> on the town. So really, I think that was the most common um, impetus for a date night was like someone else's party or event that we'd make it out to. And you guys have always been really good about um, you and Brian have always been really good about making time together at night after the kids go to bed and you watch a lot of programs together and stuff. So is that something that kind of grew out of that period of parenting? I think so. I mean, I I always laugh. I apologize to Brian because I think I've turned him into a homebody more than he would likely be without me. You have Um, a way of doing that. I know. I've done it to you, too. You've done it to me, too. I don't even have to ask you to stay in anymore. You just want to. I know. It's so good. (laughs) I do think so. I, um, you know, whenever we had newborns, there was no um, evening time together because I think I've shared on the podcast before, Brian would stay up late with the newborn. I would catch the first few hours of sleep like we, you know. But after that stage, when kids were going to bed, you know, by seven, um, we did. We started getting into series like this is right around the time when streaming and um, like high quality TV series kind of like really, really became a thing. Like I'm thinking you're Breaking Bad, you're Mad Men. Um, and that really was. And to this day, that's something we look forward to together. We don't go to our separate devices in the evenings, mm-hmm. really almost ever. Um, so we always have something we're working through together uh, TV wise. Um, and that has been built in built in time to connect and unwind together. Um, I love that. And I think when I think back to that time, too, where I was taking, you know, different shift than John back in the early days, I remember a lot of that kind of concentrated time would happen on the weekends, like early in the day, because when you have a newborn, who cares? They're like they're going to do their thing and you can find ways to kind of maybe squeeze that time and not at night. I think we get so fixated on like nighttime being when dates happen. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, Did you guys do a lot of texting and and things like that? Like when you were home and he was maybe at work, did you keep in communication during the day? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, And and we've always both enjoyed that. And I think we both have empathy for the hardness of each other's realities. Like he went through a long phase where he was traveling a ton for work and I was home with three babies. Like anyone who's done both of those things knows they're both really hard. And so, you know, while I'm sure there were moments of like, who has it worse? You know, that game you kind of play, like, you know, don't talk to me about being tired. Yeah. I've been up all night with the toddler. And it's so hard not to do that when you're so exhausted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, for sure there have been moments like that, but I do think we, we both maintained empathy for the other's situation um, in, in those years where it was hard on both of us for, for many reasons. Okay. I love this like very realistic glimpse of what this looked like, because I think for listeners, who have a new baby or maybe a baby and a toddler or two babies or whatever their baby situation is. um, It's nice to just hear that real life advice that like that was a period of time where you did what you had to do and you made it work. And, and sometimes it it is nice to be validated that by the time you call the sitter, get out the breast pump, like all the things like that are involved sometimes in going out, like the stress of going out um, sometimes on a regular basis is not, is not like worth the value of what you get from that one date night. So that's just some good validation to have, I think. And then now let's talk about Sarah, how it's changed because that's something that um, those moms can definitely look forward to, or maybe people who are in that sort of mid range um, can maybe like emulate or work towards. So let's talk about the time when you had maybe the youngest was a preschooler, but your oldest still not really old enough to be super independent. You definitely need childcare what did then your dating life with your husband start to look like? Yeah, well, much, much improved, as you say. We got really lucky when we moved here to Southern California. Uh, my youngest was 18 months when that happened. 
Um, and shortly after that, I, I wanted to start volunteering in the classroom. So this was not inspired by wanting to date my husband. It was inspired by wanting to be involved at school. And I found a sitter. It was amazing to watch uh, Violet, who was a toddler at the time, one morning a week. And that's also when we recorded the podcast. So she'd come get Violet. This is when we launched the show. She'd come get Violet, take her in the park, to um, take her in the stroller to the park. Mm. And then you and I would record real quick um, in our scrappy little way. I mean, there was very few bells and whistles. And then I would run off to be in a first grade classroom. And I that was the first time I'd ever had a repeating babysitter who really knew my kids. And I could just text her and like it wasn't awkward each time you weren't yeah. explaining, you know, the snacks every time. And so I, I look at that as being really lucky. And I definitely think our date nights increased having having that built in sitter. And we we really plugged into some neighborhood sitters as well. But the other thing I want to say about that phase, um, it wasn't just that we got lucky finding good sitters. It was that as your kids get older and can all talk, it's so much easier to leave them. Right. Because like you picture those, you know, either you write it all out or you stand there for 10 minutes explaining where the you know, where the pumped milk is and all of that. And pretty soon, as long as your youngest is like two and your oldest can interpret for the younger one, you're good. Like mm, there's so much yeah. less explaining that I found. So I also think my standards for sitters, it's not like my standards went low, but it didn't feel like I had to have the exact right person. I got a lot more brave about having someone over a high schooler that I'd never met before. As long as they came recommended, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And I, I never got to that place when the kids were littler and that may be about me or maybe just not finding the right person. But so that just opened up date nights. Um, and so I, and so I don't know what the frequency would have been. I remember one year early when we lived here, having a goal to do monthly, which again, sounds straight out of the advice columns. I don't think I ever did that any other time, but you know, wanting to gift Brian, like let's, let's do, do this monthly, you know, go out um, and arrange the sitter and all that. And that felt very doable at that time. Um, the other thing that we were able to figure out is we joined a gym with really good childcare. And our gym also has a little restaurant and a little bar. So nice. we had we had built in. <laughs> yeah, you could go for a happy hour. You could put the kids in the childcare there and just have a coffee and sit and talk. So the frequency went went way, way up for sure. Um, I don't I still don't remember doing a lot of like weekend getaways though. I, I just don't think that was in our financial reality and um, in our, in our planning. Those tended to be reserved again for things like somebody's wedding or bachelor or bachelorette party that we, we had to go to. This is bringing back flashbacks. First of all, I remembered that when um, for a little while for me, date night was when we would go to Chuck E. Cheese, but it wasn't like a Chuck E. It wasn't actually Chuck E. Cheese. It was like a Chuck E. Cheese situation and they had beer, as I recall. Okay, yep. And you could just like, we would just push the kids, like the baby would just get pushed around in the stroller or in the sling. The little kid would run or the little kids would yeah. run and we would have a beer and eat really bad pizza, as I recall. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then we would kind of pretend like it was a casino because like you can play games and win yeah. tickets. I mean, it was so silly, but sometimes you take what you can get, right? Yeah. Um, and then that reminded me of real casinos often have on-site childcare. And so do um, sometimes like the Mall of America has one, like sometimes oh, wow. big malls and things have them. They're like those kid playlands. And I yes. remember waiting desperately for my kids to be old enough to like feel good about going someplace like that because um, they'd be scared of something like that when they were really little. But yes. then even when they were the age that they weren't thrilled about going to a sitter, something about going to a playland yes. feels very different. And I, I very clearly remember when the kids were old enough to like 
drop them off there and like the freedom of going, oh my gosh, we're, we're at the mall. <laughs> we could do yeah. anything, you know? Yeah. I just had a flashback of Ikea. Some yes. Ikeas. Have you ever been to an <gasps> Ikea? Never like, with an old enough child to go to one of those. And man, I was so jealous. Yeah. And it was actually awesome. So I think they had to be potty trained. Yep. And the only time that, first of all, it never worked for all three kids because we have a huge Ikea here, but it does not have childcare. So the one in Arizona did it was far from our house. And the only time we did it, um, it was probably just the year before we moved here. So Violet was like one. So she couldn't go in. But Reed, it was potty trained. So he was like three and a half or four. And so the older two went in and we pushed a baby around Ikea. Yeah. And so you're exciting. like, this is amazing. I have so much freedom. It's funny when you go when you're down a kid, how like that can feel like a date right there, yeah. even if you're just shopping. Um, OK, so let's talk now about what it looks like now. So your kids are old enough, still not old enough to be all left alone for, you know, any significant amount of time, but they're older now. And yeah. so I'm sure your sitter situation is down to a science. Um, it, so it seems like you guys are getting away more, just the two of you than you used to, but probably yeah. still not a ton. So just like, let us know how that looks now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the getting away and going out of town because that's probably the biggest change. So my parents live about two and a half hours away. And like I said, they travel, they have a very busy travel schedule. So it's not like a guarantee. It can't be last minute, but we always have something on the calendar at least once a year. Um, Brian turned 40 about a year and a half ago. I'm 40 this coming week. So we've had like reasons like that to celebrate and to do a getaway with some friends or just the two of us. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And that has been really great for my kids and my parents to have that time. You know, we now can go away for three or four nights um, and, you know, and the kids do great with grandma and grandpa, they're also, um, they're in school. That makes a huge difference when you're lining up overnight childcare. Yes. I have even, um, and I can't remember which trips this, these were, but I have even done things like line up an after school babysitter, had them dropped off after school, had a babysitter till my parents could get there like later in the evening. So I was really like bridging the gap. And that would have, that would have stressed me out so hard a few yeah. years earlier. It just would have felt like, you know, who's in charge? Like what if someone's late or what if like, the two sitter parties don't, you know, connect right with each other. And so I just became so much less worried about yeah. things like that. Um, and so that allowed for little getaways. Um, and I think now what we really enjoy is just going out to eat. I mean, mm. it's something we both really love. We like good restaurants. Um, and I, I will say, though, it's still to this day, sometimes we forget that it's easier. And we, you know, a few weeks can go by and we're like, hey, why don't we just go out this yeah. weekend, like go out to dinner? And it's like, oh, yeah, we we can, we can do, do that. that. It's not yeah. hard. Um, so yeah, it's it's much easier, and the the overnight getaways have been great. But I mean, years years went by in between not having those regular um, overnight getaways. So. Yeah, and I think that's just a good reminder that like all of these things can be goals. Um, they could be things that you have on your horizon as things that you want to like eventually want to get to or want to work toward. But they're not like the make or break. Like there's lots of ways to communicate with your spouse and date your spouse in your own house. Ooh, I made, yeah. a, I made a poem. Um, yes. And wherever you are kind of in this journey, you know, it's going to change again. Like Sarah, in a few years, you're just going to be able to go. Like you won't even have to get a sitter. And that's like another crazy, you know, change. So it is. It yeah. is. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it, we don't leave them at night yet. All yeah. of them, mostly because Violet's kind of a wild card. Um, Allegra, I, I leave the older two alone for short periods of time during the day. But you're right, that won't be very long. And then, yeah, yeah that saves on cost and just makes for way more flexibility and probably will be fun for the kids. Maybe. Yeah, no, I, I think it can be, especially if you if you've got a good way of like delegating um, 
who's in charge without making it like, you know, too much of one person. It's a delicate balance and it all depends on your kids' personalities, but it is, it's definitely one of those moments like, wow, I can't believe yeah. this is happening when you look at your spouse and you're like, they're all just home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not with them. So yeah. Yeah. So, well, this has been really great. Thank you so much for like jumping on and sharing how of things course. look in your home. And you were remarkably together, even though you have the flu. So <laughs> I have the actual flu. Yes. I'm lying down, <laughs> podcasting in bed like you. I love um, it. No, this, this has been really great. And it's such an important topic. And I know our listeners have asked for love and marriage and dating and all of those kind of things. So excited that we can put together this episode. Okay. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.